Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Baby, it's time to ride the funk train. This is Funkmaster V with Wrestling with Ghosts and a SideParanormal.com. Babies, you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you could also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. I really want to thank you all for all the support I got for tuners while uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm humbled by the amount of people that downloaded it. it uh, let's just say there was a lot of copies. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you all for your support, and I really do appreciate you, uh, you know, supporting my work. If, if you enjoyed tuners... Uh, go ahead and let a friend know about it. Uh, they can read it right now on Amazon. And uh, I'm in the works with a, a audiobook producer to produce the audiobook versions of all three Tuners novels. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I, I know for those of you that, you know, are, are like me, don't read much, but happen to listen to audiobooks. Uh, that's my dirty little secret, by the way. I, I'm a writer who happens to... Uh, listen to a lot more audiobooks than I actually end up reading books. It, it's really the time that I choose to read books. I, I read books and like, you know, right before I go to bed and get through like 10 pages and, and fall asleep. So, you know, at that pace, it takes me forever to finish a book. But, you know, if I if I uh, listen to it, man, I, I, I go through books pretty quickly. So I've kind of changed my habits from less reading to more listening. Uh, <laughs> I know. Bad, bad thing for me to admit, since uh, my my bread and butter of my creative life is uh, writing at the moment. Uh, and speaking of writing, it's time to see what's behind the door for Orion. Uh, yes, here we are. I'll just get started. Life 4. My vision dimmed as I crossed the threshold. The forest and the lake dissolved around me. I was cast into a void... At first I thought Stabby had tricked me and finally found a way to kill me once and for all. However, a light began to fill the darkness. It was scattered at first, a point here, a point there, but then many lights blended into one reality. I found myself in a giant circular metal room with a domed roof. The dome was compromised of many rectangular screens. There were too many to count. On each of the displays were displays of my lives, 
I saw myself running through the jungles of Vietnam, jousting with a knight, dodging barbarians, driving a race car, and even the life in the land of the weird mushroom peoples there. Countless versions of me were in an endless task to save the princess who should never be saved. I was overwhelmed by the enormity of it all. When I was living each life, I could focus on the task in front of me. Now, I saw everything I had ever done all at once. <laughs> I needed to sit down, but there were no chairs. Stabby stood at the center of the room, dressed as the princess, with a big grin on your face. Welcome to your life, he said jokingly. Life's plural, I said. That doesn't sound as good, bro. So how's this all work? Well, for me, I, I just touch my hand to the screen I want, and I enter that life. Uh, how do you get to the ones at the top? They're up so high. Are they, bro? Are they really? I thought for a moment, then looked up at the ceiling. I saw a princess struggling to move the stretcher, the chopper going down in a crash, and me coming across the soldiers in the jungle. I reached out, and the screen that seemed impossibly distant got closer. It was like reality bent to my will. I couldn't tell if I was getting taller or the ceiling was coming down towards me. Either way, I was about to touch it when Stabby snatched my hand, and suddenly the room morphed back into the vast cavern of screens. Do you want a bunch of Viet Cong soldiers all looking like me? He said. <laughs> that would give a whole new meaning to the word Charlie, huh? Stabby rolled his eyes and said, There, that life. It says restricted. I spotted a life that had the words restricted over the playback. I could see glimpses of myself and a lot of action in the background, but I couldn't make out what was happening. The letters obscured most of what was on the screen. Stabby continued. I tried everything to get in that life. I even stole the Vietnam War era chopper and tried to fly it up there. You can fit a chopper through that door? Yeah. Size doesn't seem to matter here. Anyways, when I attempted to fly the machine up to the restricted life, it never got any closer. No matter how many times I tried to get up there, it was always out of reach. Now I want you to try. I concentrated on the word restricted, and it started moving like the other one had. It was coming closer. It's working, I said. I think I could get us in. I reached out to touch it. Stabby swiped my hand out of the way, and the room returned to the status quo. Okay, okay, good, good, hold up though. We're going to go there, but we need a few rules. If we leave anything in this room, it'll be gone forever. So if you want to take the princess, you're going to have to take me with you. And to do that, we need to be touching. But I propose this, how about we leave the dagger behind? It's the only thing that can kill you, and if I'm wrong about myself not coming uh, back to life when you defibrillate the princess, It'd be nice not to have to worry about the dagger, huh? Catch my drift? For once, Stabby made sense. Leaving the dagger behind was a good plan. I had no use for it, and if this were the life where I could settle down with the princess, then I wouldn't want something that could end it. I saw no harm in chucking it. However, I made sure to toss it as far away from the both of us as possible. The dagger clattered to the ground, at the far corner of the room, I took Stabby's hand and felt the lace on the princess's dress. I sighed for a moment and then reached my other hand towards the restricted screen. 
The others faded in the background. It grew and moved towards me. I felt like I was falling towards it. The scenes in the screen were still indistinguishable because of the lettering. I was about to touch it when I saw Stabby hold his hand out. He reached for the dagger and it flew towards him. Just as I touched the screen, he caught the blade. The room faded out, one little point of light at a time. Blackness overtook us, and I was born for the last time. Life 4 began like any other. I was born, grew up, experienced memories, but never acted on the knowledge of my prior lives. I was a human who lived on a faraway planet called Zar. It was the second planet from the local star, and barely in the habitable zone. The temperatures reached near the boiling point of water during the day, and the only hardy local creatures and fauna could be out when the sun baked the land. At night, the flowers would bloom, and most of the wildlife would awake from their daytime slumber. The sunlight burned 22 hours long during the equinox, and I was used to sun lamps as my primary source of light. When I ventured outside during the light, I always wore a suit. At night, I could wear regular clothes, as the planet had an atmosphere similar to Earth's after some terraforming. Screwing with the planet's natural environment wasn't without its consequences, though. Most of the life that had been on the planet died off when the oxygen infested the atmosphere. The original colonists attempted to stop the oxygen-induced mass extinction with a virus that was designed to change the DNA of the local wildlife to make it oxygen-tolerant. It worked on most worlds, but mine was the exception. The planet was determined in more than one ways to rid itself of humans. One easy way to pick off humans was the temperature. People who wandered too far from the cities at night and didn't bring a portable hab or suit died when the day struck. As a result, I didn't go outside much. I was 17. I graduated from a military academy with several hundred fine men and women. We were going to be shipped off to basic training back on Mars. I remember being excited to see Earth for the first time. On the day of our graduation, what would have been my do-over point began. I knew this because my girlfriend, a classmate named Kaylee, was princess. I glanced at her smiling face while the dean droned on about duty and honor. I realized that the woman I had grown up with was the same princess from everyday life. But here, something was different about her. Her hair was styled in fashion I knew very well, but had never seen in person before. It was the same haircut from my vision on the eve of battle in my first life. She was the woman who had kissed me on the cheek. However, I had no memory of it happening yet in this life. Hmm, sign of things to come? I hope so. I turned to the next person to me and almost fell out of my chair. My childhood best friend, Tanner, was stabby. Kaylee and Tanner were people I'd grown up with. We played together in the canyon near my house at night. We talked about leaving Tsar and seeing the mega cities of Earth. We were happy together. These fine young men and women will go on to be the next. The dean trailed off and looked up at the night sky. We all craned our necks to see what he was staring at. Broad streaks of purple light were raining down on the city. There were millions of them. In the light of the full moons, we could see that they weren't meteors. They were a purple goop-like substance, and they were headed right for us. 
My classmates scattered and screamed. Parents and loved ones ran from the stands. The dean, who was dumbfounded by the whole scenario, was hit head on, and the goop splashed everywhere. I was a veteran and knew of weird lives by this point, so I didn't panic. My first thought was stabby. I'd seen him take the dagger into this life and I scanned for him. I saw him helping Tanner's loved ones. Kaylee, on the other hand, supported my dad when some of the goop burned his leg. Her family was off-world and had sent robots so they could attend remotely. She ignored her family on the screen at the end of a long pull, screaming at her to get to safety. My mom had died when I was young when she fell asleep in the night gardens and didn't make it to the shelter back in time for sunrise. I was about to help Kaylee when I noticed something was happening on the stage. It wasn't just a ball of goop that hit the Dean, but a pod. It was bulbous, an alien, about the size of a truck. It shook wildly and cracked. It wasn't a pod at all, but an egg, and it was hatching. I stepped backward and the leg burst forth. It was a spotty purple color. It was pointed and jagged like a crustacean shell. Five more burst out, and the creature... The size of a school bus emerged, a segmented body enfolded with thick armored exoskeleton. Its face was long and had vicious teeth. A swarm of smaller creatures scattered from underneath it. They looked like little purple six-fingered hands with scorpion tails and a set of chompers in front. They could leap about five feet in the air. They began taking out students and parents alike. The larger one was taking out vast swaths of the crowd while the smaller one swarmed. One of the small ones jumped towards me and I hit it with a folding chair. It smacked to the ground and died. I ran towards Kaylee and kicked one of the critters heading for her. It tumbled underneath the bleachers. My dad's leg was wrecked. The goop had eaten near to the bone and he was dizzy with pain. The robots that Kaylee's parents were using were frantic, going around and shaking and jiggling and, and it looked kind of stupid really. Despite their pleas for their daughter to get to safety, I kicked one of the robots over and broke the pole that was holding the camera. Another one of the critters scuttled towards us, and I used the pole as a makeshift spear. I made another one for Kaylee, and we hoisted up my father and held him between the two of us. With our free hands, we swatted at the critters. The giant bug was running at us from the bleachers, and it crushed the seating into metal slag as we narrowly escaped it. It was preparing for another attack when Crazy Lewis shot it with a gun he had stashed in his graduation gown. For once, I was glad for Crazy Lewis's paranoia. But the bug turned its gaze towards him and impaled him with legs while the bullets bounced harmlessly off its armor. We took the opportunity to escape the night gardens and raced out to the city streets. The pods were crashing to the sidewalks and buildings. The domes that shuddered in the city during the day were cracked or dissolving. Pods that survived the fall were hatching and flooding the streets with more creatures. If the bugs didn't kill the humans of the city, the broken habitats would. I dodged a smaller bug and fended off another one with my makeshift spear. The school, Kaylee said. It will have power armor and medical supplies. I nodded and smacked another of the smaller ones down, and we ran through the city streets. It was chaos. The larger ones were tossing the vehicles and people alike. The smaller ones were everywhere, on buildings, behind trash cans, chowing down on victims. A man on fire ran behind us. We dodged the big ones and far away through the little ones. 
A few streets further down, the police force had formed a barricade and was unloading round after round into a large one, but to no avail. It rampaged through the blockade like it was nothing and smashed a few squad cars. The police scattered as it broke their line. The city monitors were all playing the same news footage. It said, Planet Under Attack, and displayed footage of a massive ship in orbit. It was a long ship about a third the size of Zar. The hull vessel looked as the same material of the pods. It was pumping out eggs by the millions. They were raining down on the planet. Every city was under attack. Scenes played out on the newsreels. The entire globe was being swarmed. There was a sonic boom overhead, and several interstellar forces ships began shooting the pods out of the sky. The people cheered at the arrival of the squadron, but they were met with flying versions of the school bus-sized creatures. They had mighty bat-like wings and tails that sprayed green goop. The goop hit one of the IF ships, and it fell from the sky and crashed into a building. The alien birds and the fighters circled the city, attacking each other. I rounded the block, only to see a giant four-story mech tossing one of the creatures into a building. Another bug jumped and landed on the mech, and they both rolled, smashing row after row of abandoned cars on the road. My school was close. We kept running. We fought, ran, dodged our way through the streets until we got to the school doors. I was ushered inside by one of the drill sergeants. A team of medics surrounded my father and put him on a stretcher. They told us that he'd be fine and directed us towards a group of instructors. The teachers took the surviving students and gathered them in the school armory. Inside were sets of Space Marine power armor. These weren't the training suits the school used. With virtual rounds and rumble packs to simulate vibrations, they were the real deal and were packed with projectile, plasma, and flame units. The suits had grenades, missiles, and all sorts of stuff. They had sustenance. Uh, it was kind of this disgusting protein mix that could last you about a month, really. More importantly, we could survive in the suits when the sun came up. The drill instructor ordered us into the armor. Make sure the water condenser is functional, the drill sergeant said. We are abandoning the city and heading out into the desert. Alright. That's life four. Ooh, things are interesting for Orion. Anyways. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, watch out for giant purple flying bugs, and uh, also listen to some other real paranormal activity shows, and watch some of the videos, and have a good night.